we're going through the seven signs of Christ. And last week we looked at these jars of water and Jesus turned the water into wine. And what we considered was there was only six jars. And this was ritual water that filled these jars. And Jesus, he did this work and we wondered, well, where is the seventh? Where's the seventh jar? Because seven is the number of completion. If John gives us six, we need to look for a seventh. And I consider that it could be understood as us. We're full of ritual. We're, we're full of these things, trying to cleanse ourselves, trying to keep our life going. And what Jesus wants to do is come in and change us from the inside rather than give us these things for the outside. It's the idea that Jesus takes our acts without hearts and he wants to give us hearts with acts. And so we're going to continue the next sign. And I'd like to offer a few more insights into the Gospel of John as we turn to this. John was probably an old man when he wrote this Gospel. He was probably in his 90s or close to. At the point that he's writing his Gospel, he would have been a feeble old man. History says that he had to be carried into church by his disciples. And in church, they would wait for his words. Here is an apostle of Jesus. Here is someone who knew Jesus, and they're waiting for his words. And all he could do for history records is he could say in a whisper, little children, just love one another. And history says that this happened so often that finally his disciples, they said, Master, why, why, do you, why is this all you say? And John says, because it's the Lord's command, and if it's done, it is enough. So history tells us that John, at the end of his life, he said it on love. He, he saw the love of Jesus. We just saw it expressed in communion. And uh, John says, that's enough. That's the foundation of it. And so it's from this foundation that John is going to write his Gospels, his epistles. He's going to write from this foundation of love, and we're going to see that. And so by the time John writes, Matthew, Mark, and Luke have already written their Gospels. And his disciples say, we want you to share your story. And so John does. John, John writes this Gospel, and he covers things the other Gospels didn't at this point. Because history says that he realized there's, the Gospels are great, but there's, a story, there's part of the story that I have to offer that wasn't yet covered. So his gospel kind of comes in and completes this. The last miracle of water to wine, that's only in the Gospel of John. And the next miracle that John tells us of the official son and healing the official son, it's only in the Gospel of John that it's mentioned. John attempted in the last miracle to show us that we need to look, look deeper at Jesus' work than just the face value. Turning water to wine isn't just something cool that Jesus did. There's something underneath. There's, there's value to it for our lives. There's, there's a message to it. And so Jesus, 
he gives us this, this sign with a deep meaning in Cana. And then Jesus goes on this circuit and he travels the countryside. And what we see three times as he travels the countryside are people who struggle to see the deeper meaning. And John is telling us it's important to look at what's deeper. And so after Jesus travels the countryside, we see these three events. He comes back to Cana and he's going to do his second sign. And we just need to remember, John puts details in the story on purpose. We need to consider why in this story is someone going to keep asking Jesus, come down to where my son is? Why is the direction from Jesus up? And he's coming down to us. John is starting to glorify Jesus. He's starting to elevate him in the story. So keeping in mind that we need to look at the details, John puts so many details in that there's going to be some loose strings at the end of this. We can't cover everything, but I want to look at some stuff in particular. Our passage is John 4, 46 through 54. And so scripture tells us, Now he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water into wine. In Capernaum there was a certain royal official whose son was sick. When he heard that Jesus had come back from Judea into Galilee, he went to him and begged him, Come down and heal my son, who's about to die. Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will never believe. Sir, the official said to him, Come down before my child dies. Jesus told him, Go home. Your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and set off for home. While he was on his way down, here's this word again. While he was on his way down, his slaves met him and told him that his son was going to live. So he asked his slaves, what time did his condition begin to improve? And they told him, yesterday at one o'clock in the afternoon, his fever left him. Then the father realized that it was the very time Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And he, the official, believed, along with his entire household. Jesus did this as his second miraculous sign when he returned from Judea in Galilee. We need to look at this a little further so we can understand. This is written in an ancient context, and so what do we make of this? First, we see... We see John joining two things that don't seem to make sense again. In the last one, Mary said, Jesus, they're out of wine. And Jesus said, my hour's not yet come. Well, what is it? They need wine. What does that have to do with this? In this one, the official comes. Please heal my son. And Jesus says, if you don't see signs and miracles, you're not going to believe. Notice in both in both responses, Jesus seems like he's not going to do the miracle. He responds in a negative. Mary says, they need wine. Jesus says, it's not my hour. He gives you a negative. Heal my son. If you don't see signs, you're not going to believe. And, and it seems to be this negative. 
And especially in this time, it doesn't seem to make sense. What do you mean this guy is not going to believe? He traveled 20 to 25 miles to go see Jesus. And this is a journey that goes up hundreds of feet. Where the royal official came from is a location that's approximately 700 feet below sea level. And he travels up to go see Jesus. When I was in the military, I never knew how long miles really were until I started in March when I was in basic training. 20 miles is a long distance on foot without a car. Even if you're on horseback, it's not fun. And so don't tell me the guy who just traveled 25 miles doesn't have faith. And so why is Jesus saying this? We tend to take both comments of Jesus as negative. But number one, I would say that they don't have to be. But when you think about this, they don't have to be because both times, even though it sounds to us like what Jesus said was negative, he gives what is needed. He gave wine, and we know from this story that he's going to heal the son. Jesus' own disciples, John records that they believed when they saw the sign. So it's not necessarily negative. When Jesus turned the water to wine, John says, and his disciples saw, and they believed. And we know Jesus' disciples were great people, heroes of the faith. And so having a sign is not necessarily a bad thing. I'd like to think on a couple of extra details here. The man who comes to Jesus. Sometimes some Bibles will say he was a ruler, and this was the ruler's son. What we know is that he's a, probably actually a royal administrator. He works for a ruler. He came from the same town where Matthew was found. Matthew was a tax collector. This town had a lot of public servants. And so this person would be an administrator. And what's interesting is he leaves who rules him to go find a different ruler. In the worldly power, he can't find healing for his son. His son is going to die. Do you think he eagerly walked 20, 25 miles to go see Jesus first? I would believe it's very likely that he sought help, immediate help. Go grab the doctor. My son's about to die. And at the end of everything, in his worldly scheme of power, he could not find healing for his son. And he goes to Jesus. And what we see is, we see a seeking faith in this story. We see a, we see a man who seeks Jesus. Jesus then says, you people will not believe without seeing. But then he tells the official, I've given you the gift of life. I've given you your son's life. And the official believes without seeing. The official doesn't know, but he trusts Jesus and he goes. And so in one sense, you can almost see that Jesus says, you won't believe without seeing. And then he trusts the official. And what we see in the official is he went from a seeking faith 
to a trusting faith. And he didn't see the miracle, but he still trusted that it was there. Then the official later confirms what Jesus said. He meets his, his slaves as they're coming to go see him. I'm sure they, they understood his son's going to live. He, he'll, he'll want to know this as soon as possible. So they start heading this direction as their master's coming the other direction. And they meet and they say, your son's going to live. And then what it says is that this official, he and his family believed. And so what we see here is, is, is a proven faith. So as we consider what this passage is and, and how it, in its historical context, you have John, an old man. He, his focus is just on love. And you have this, this man whose son was dying and he travels up to go see Jesus and he begs Jesus, come down and help me. We see Jesus being elevated. And we see in this man different aspects of faith. And so what we can consider what does this say to us today? What do we do with this? Again, just like the water to wine, it's not just a cool story. John wants us to know there is a deep meaning to this that you can apply to your life. Well, I would say that in this story, there's so much we go into, but what strikes me on this occasion is the story shows us this ongoing process of faith. In our lives, there's times where we seek in faith. This man sought Jesus. In our lives, there's times where we just have to step out and walk in faith. Responding to Jesus' word, this man just stepped out. He said, I believe. And, and he went back home towards his son. And in our lives, there are times where we can explicitly see the hand of God at work. And it stirs our belief as we respond in faith. Other writers in the Bible, this isn't a bad thing, but they use a noun for faith. What you're going to find usually is a Greek word for faith. It's a noun. And so they speak of faith as this thing. And it's referred to as this thing. And actions can be referred to that way. Going back to my time in the army, we ask each other, we, we know there's a long march. Are you ready for the march tomorrow? We call it the march. But marching is really a verb. And so we create this noun for, for this thing that is really an action. And what we see is other writers will call it a thing. But in John's writing, he had a chance to reflect on what is the message others have said. Because he's writing the last gospel. The other three have been written. And what John wants to draw our attention to is we're looking at this thing called faith. But the thing we're looking at is an action. In John's writing, you will not find faith described with the Greek noun. Instead, John, for faith, he uses the Greek verb. Faith is an action. Faith, faith, it's a thing we do. We, we go through various phases. And at various times. But faith doesn't stop. Back in January, I described how faith is a, 
It can be this journey that you're on. It's a wrestling match. Sometimes you're trying to hold on to it. Sometimes you experience it in different ways. But it never stops. And faith is not this neat package we hold on to. And we have to worry about either it's switched on or off. We experience it in degrees. It's a dynamic that we enter into. And what we can see with this official and, and his son, we can see different aspects of the dynamic. We can step out and seek. We can hear and go. And we can see and, and be stirred. So what I feel the story says to us is that we're supposed to live out our faith. We don't just say we have faith and it's something we possess. Faith is something we do and we live out. It isn't something I can just hold. I'm always in my own life working through faith. And what I see in this story, what I see in my own life is that in, as I work out faith, I'm seeking, I'm listening, and I'm seeing. In different areas of my life, I'm doing these things at different times. Sometimes in one area, I'm able to see the hand of God. In another time, I'm trying to listen. God, I, I really just need a response from you. And, and, I'm, and I listen, and, and I'm trying to hear what God has for me. And so, and so I listen to that. And other times, I'm just seeking, and I, I don't even have a response yet. I don't even have a hope of hearing words yet. So I'm beginning my journey to seek in some areas. I'm, I'm listening to others, and in others, I'm, I'm seeing the hand of God. In your lives, you might be doing all three of these. You might know in certain places where you're seeing all three of these at work. Maybe you can point back to somewhere where you're like, that's the hand of God. And my faith is built on that. But in other areas, you're like, this is where I've heard God and my faith is built on that. And in other areas, your faith is built by simply going on this journey 25 miles long, 700 feet up in elevation, trying to climb up to see Jesus. Jesus.